So tonight I'm going to deal private level and also on an outward level. So basically your own pers- our own personal devotions with the Lord and then how to do a personal devotion such as in the men's prayer breakfast or a ladies luncheon or maybe even the Cass County Jail. So uh, if you don't know, we've been invited back to the jail. So we're Steve Fleshman is heading up a group to get back into the Cass County Jail to give them the gospel. So doing a devotion in the Cass County Jail would fit right along with what we're talking about tonight. And so uh, um, this, I think we go through this about once a year, and you just got lucky and got me tonight. So I don't know if that's luck or not, but uh, we'll go forward from that. So you should have two handouts. Everybody have a handout. I think everybody does. And I want to start off with personal devotion. Uh, should be page number five. So uh, I yanked this out of the middle of something I had, so I could not figure out how to get the page numbers correct. So you'll just have to bear with me. So personal devotion. So what is a devotion? Well, a devotion is defined as a state of worship. So your first blank there, you can put in worship. So um, the next bullet point says worship is the act. So now I have to think, okay, so what is worship? So worship's the act of giving divine honor. We worship God on your next blank outwardly and openly when we attend church services. Now, when we come to church on a Sunday or a Sunday night or a Wednesday night like this, we come to do what, guys? learn but we come specifically to worship okay this is a worship service and in fact some people get it wrong when they come to a sunday morning service and they'll go well you know the, the worship leader comes up and leads the songs well that's true but the worship leader also comes up and preaches so the whole thing is worship the songs and the preaching the whole the whole um Service is a worship service, and some people get real hung up on the on the singing part, and then some people get all hung up on the preaching part. And I've been both, so you have to have them both, because when we come before our Lord and Savior, we should start with worship and telling Him what He's done for us, and we do that a lot of times with song and with praise, however we do it, and even in our personal time. We're not going to just break out and sing, I don't think. Now, maybe we do. Bob, do you sing when you do your personal daytime or your personal devotion in the morning? Once in a while, hey, whatever works for you, okay? But uh, we worship God outwardly and openly when we attend church services. And when we worship God inwardly, goes in your next blank, which is when we pray and read and study his word privately and personally. So when you do your personal devotions in the morning or whenever you do them, when it's just you and God, have you ever thought about that is worship? You are worshiping God when you, when you read your Bible, when you pray back to him. That is a worship, okay? And so uh, personal devotion is a defined as a state of worship. So let's talk about our daily preparation on how we should come before the Lord in a, on a, a day, daily attitude, a daily time. So first of all, A says reach up through prayer. You know, when we have a, 
a time alone when you do your daily devotions, you could start with a song like like Bob. You can start however you want, but you've got to have some prayer in there. You've got to have some prayer because prayer is our communication to God, right? And so prayer is the first thing. The second thing and the third thing necessary to a minister, pray, then my dear brother, pray, pray, pray. Edward Payson, it's written in your handout. I don't know who this man is. But that's some good advice because whether you're the pastor, you're, you're the, the janitor, whether you're whoever you are in the church, when we need to pray no matter what. And I hear people say, well, you know, all I can do for that person or that situation is pray. That is the best thing we can do for them. That should be the first thing we do. And whenever we have a problem in our life, who are you going to call? It's not Ghostbusters. It's the Lord, because he's the only one that can answer our prayers. So he's the only one that can give us comfort during the time that we need. So we need to reach up through prayer. Your first blank there, your first bullet point, the first word is confess. Now, when we want to have communion with God, we need to confess our sin. We need to make sure that we don't have any open sin in our life, that we're just, you know, we're just, well, that's just, that's just normal. You know, I have that. No, if, if God brings that sin up to you, which he should if we're in tune with him, we need to be confessing that sin and taking care of it in our life. Because we've already saw in, in, in Discipleship 1, how many of you have been through Discipleship 1? Probably the majority of us on our lesson on prayer, which is what lesson is that? Six. Yes, someone's paying attention. Okay. Uh, or like, no, that wasn't lucky. You knew it was six. So anyway, uh, on, on, uh, on prayer that unconfessed sin in our life will hamp or will hampen or hinder our prayers. So first John one nine basically tells us what happens when we confess our sin, doesn't it? Again, one of our Bible verses. So let's go ahead and turn there. Now I know many of you can just quote that by memory. First John one nine. First John one nine says, "If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from some unrighteousness." Is that what your Bible says? All, okay. I like those all verses, right? I can't get anything by you guys, so I'm just I'm trying to tonight, but you guys are awake. So here's, so that's the deal. If we confess our sins, Christ is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now that's not to keep our salvation. That is to keep our fellowship with Christ current, keep it good, to keep it right. Okay. And so um, turn over. I got another verse I'm going to give you. You can write down there. It's, it's Psalms 66 and verses 16 through 20. In fact, I think I'm getting ahead of myself, but no, let's go there. Psalm 66, 16 through 20. If you don't, everybody have a Bible with you? If you don't, there's probably one in the seat there by you somewhere. 
Okay, so in my Bible, I have this highlighted. Psalm 66, starting in verse 16, says, Come and hear, all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. I cried unto him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. If I regard iniquity or sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But verily, God hath heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. So I'm not sure who wrote this out, but they had an idea of personal of a personal devotion time with the Lord, of praying with him. So we need to confess our sin because we want the Lord to hear us, correct? So our second bullet point here is come boldly. So the, the word is come. You know, when we come before the Lord in prayer, we need to come boldly. Now, why is that? Can anybody tell me why we should go boldly before the throne? Crickets. Okay. Because we're in his family. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. He's my Redeemer. He's He's my God. I am a spouse to him. I have a personal relationship with him. You should have a personal, or you do have a personal relationship with him if you're saved. We are in God's family. You know, we are family. Who sang that song? Willie Nelson? No. Um, Sister Sledge sang that one? I thought it was maybe the Pointer Sisters, but I'm, I was on the right track. Okay. So, you know your disco, right, Roger? Okay. All right. So, we are family. You know, a lot of times I think we kind of cowardly come to, to Christ. And yet, we don't want to go so boldly that we're just brash because at the same time, we're talking to not just our Lord and Savior. We're talking to the God of the universe. But we need to come boldly before the throne. Turn over in your Bibles to Hebrews. I think that's your reference, Hebrews 4.16. In fact, I want to back up to verse 14. Hebrews 4.14, all right? It says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest, who is that priest? Christ, that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. That verse is a comfort. It's a comfort to me. It should be a comfort to you. We are to come boldly unto the Lord because he knows our infirmities. Christ is a man, and yet God, he's been in our shoes. He knows how it is to feel the way we feel. Okay? And yet we can come boldly before him because he is our Lord. He is our God. And yet, like I said, we are in his family. So quick. So we need to confess our sin, we need to come boldly, and then we need to come often. Come often. 
So in other words, when you have your prayer devote, you need to do it often. You need to do it daily. And some of you that are real rascals may have to do it a couple times. That'd be me. I mean, <laughs> um, yes, we need it. We need to come often, okay? So I, I want to look at an example that Paul has of coming often to God in prayer in his personal daily devotions, okay? So turn over to Philippians chapter 1. That's the verse we have in our handout, and then I'm going to give you one more to look at. Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to look at 4 through 5. In fact, let's just back up to verse 1. I always I always give you the verse and back up. Does anybody else here do that? It's to get the context, right? And so Philippians, Paul, Paul loves the church at Philippi. That's probably, I don't want to say that's the one he loves the most, but he has a deep connection with his church. And so he's writing to the Philippians, and he says, Paul and Timotheus, verse 1 of chapter 1, says, Servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making requests with joy. So he's telling this church, he goes, I am praying for you once in a while. No, he says, I'm always praying for you. In fact, you're in my daily devotions. That's what he's telling them. But that's not the only church. That's not the only group. So turn over to the next book, to Colossians chapter 1. And so our our Bible hour, the adult Bible hour that I teach and head up, the Berean class, we're going through the book of Colossians on Sunday morning. So let me, and so uh, what I'm going to say here is something that we've already discussed and already read in class. So let me just ask you this Guys, if you're not in an adult Bible fellowship, you need to be. Because you need the Bible teaching, but you also need the Bible fellowship of the people in the class. Because how many of you guys have more friends than you need? Okay, nobody raised their hands up, right? We all need more friends. We all need more support. And you get that. You should be getting that in your adult Bible hour. So if you're not going to an adult Bible hour now, just... Get here an hour earlier on Sunday morning and come to that, okay? So where was I? Okay, Philippians chapter 1, or Colossians chapter 1, and you can go ahead and write this down. Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 10, okay? And so again, we're going to see Paul's pattern of praying for other people all the time, Okay? So starting in verse 3 of Colossians chapter 1 says, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Right off the bat, he goes, we're praying for you. Now, how many of you like people to pray for you? Okay, we're going to find out a prayer here that he prays for them that I I hope people pray for me. Because this is a fantastic prayer to pray for other people, okay? So he says, praying always for you, verse 3, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is now coming to you, as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. 
as he also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Paul had never met this church. He had met their pastor, Epaphras. He may have met a couple other people in the church, but he had never been in Colossae. So he's praying for a church that he's never met. Okay? Verse 9. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard of it, what? The fact that they've accepted Christ as their Savior, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding and that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So in his daily devotion his daily prayers, he's praying for these churches and he's praying for the Colossians and he's praying for them to grow in their knowledge of God and then to walk in that knowledge. So what he's doing is I'm praying for that church to walk the talk. That's a pretty good prayer to pray for somebody. I would love to have people praying for me that I would grow in God's knowledge and that I would walk it in my life. So if you want a good prayer to pray for somebody in your personal devotions or any time, that's fantastic for your children, for other people you know, maybe another church group, people that you care about. What do you want to pray for them? Well, let's pray they have a good. Well, that's good. Let's pray that everything works out well for them today. That's good. All these things are good, but you want to know something very good, biblical and specific? Pray that they grow in God's knowledge. And pray that they walk that out in their life. I mean, that is short, sweet, and simple. I tell everybody that's who I am. I'm short, sweet, and simple. I don't know how sweet I am, but I know I am short. And I am very simple. So you want a short, simple prayer? Pray that. One time I was I was on a mission trip. And uh, I was in Africa, Uganda, Africa. I think there was 12 of us on the trip. And we're leaving um, uh I'm trying to think of the name of the town. Em, no, we were going to Embarara. We were leaving the capital of Uganda. And, and 10 of us were taking a, a missionary plane, small little plane, but it could get 10 people on it. Problem was we had 12 people in our group. So 12, the other two went by bus. And so um, they asked one of the men to pray for our trips that morning. And I'll never forget this. The man comes up and he goes, all right, um, Let's bow and we'll, I'll pray for our trips. And he goes, Lord, please keep the plane in the air and the bus on the road. Amen. That was it. And I'm like, the missionary kept telling me because I rode with him. And he's like, I've never heard a prayer quite like that. That was just something else. And I'm like, well, it was short and, and to the point, wasn't it? Keep the plane in the air and the bus on the road. And uh, that was a good prayer especially when you're the one on the bus or in the air, okay? So make it, uh, it doesn't make it simple, short, sweet, simple. You know, it doesn't have to be uh, prolonged. Okay, so Paul is a great example of us in the Bible that he prayed continually, okay? And so uh, he prayed often. Our next bullet point says, stay connected. So this is another area in, in your personal devotions that you need to be, you need to stay connected. You need to stay plugged into the Lord. Now I know, I know we're always plugged in, but yet when we are 
reading our Bible, when we are praying, when we are doing what Christ wants us to do in our life, things just seem to go better. I don't know about you, but it does for me. If I don't read my Bible for a few days, it seems like everything goes sour and goes south fast. Probably does the same way even when I'm reading. But you know what? When I'm in tune and I'm I'm in fellowship with the Lord, I don't care because he takes care of the problems that I do have. But when I don't have that connection, when I'm not staying connected, it seems like I'm out on my own and God's a million miles away. So there's a reason why we need to stay connected because it's going to help our everyday life. So let me give you another example. If I don't pray in the morning and do my my morning devotions, like I said, uh, I just don't feel right. Things go wrong. You know, I come home, I'm going to kick the dog. I don't have a dog. But I mean, it's that's, you know, that's the way it kind of goes. But when even when you when you are connected with the Lord, when your personal devotions are good with the Lord, the house can fall in on you and you're still okay. Because why? You're good with the Lord. Okay. We need to stay connected with the Lord. Okay. First uh, Thessalonians 517. Now, who can quote that verse for me? Pray without ceasing. Okay. So, again, this kind of connects with the, the bullet point ahead of it was come often but stay connected. So we need to pray without ceasing. And then let's look at 2 Timothy 1.3. 2 Timothy 1.3 says, I thank God whom I serve for my forefathers with a pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. So again, now Paul's praying for Timothy, one of the men on his team, that he calls a son in the Lord. So he says that he prays without ceasing for him. Okay. I don't know how many times I've heard of people that have prayed for a certain person, maybe a family member, maybe their child, and they've prayed for years. And that person was lost or apart from the Lord, and yet at some point they get saved or they come back. And so God is watching and paying attention to our prayers. He's going to honor our prayers. And it may take a while. But it'll come around. It'll come around. Okay. Stay connected. Okay. So I'm going to turn over to the uh, the next page. So that was A. Reach up through prayer. And B is enter in through praise. Praise goes in your blank. That's one of the reasons that we start off our prayer set or our worship service here on a Sunday morning by singing praises because we want to give God honor. Okay? We want to give him credit. Okay? So we need to enter in through praise, through psalms, through hymns, through spiritual songs. And so turn over to Psalms 100. And we're going to read the entire chapter which isn't very long, so it's not too bad. 
Psalm 100. It says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Now, I love that verse because I am no... I don't know, fill-in-the-blank singer. Uh, I'm no Frank Sinatra, even though my third-grade music teacher accused me of being Frank, singing like Frank Sinatra. I was in third grade, and I was just belting it out one day at school, and the choir lady stopped right in the middle of singing a song, and she looked at me, and she goes, "Do you? who do you think you are, Frank Sinatra? Well, it kind of knocked me down a little bit till she messed her music up, you know, and then I'm like, hey, hey. <laughs> she never would call on me, though. But <laughs> I'm telling them myself. But does that sound like a third grader? Hey, you just messed up. <laughs> okay. Make a joyful noise. It doesn't have to be, you know, beautiful. It's beautiful to God, I'm sure. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. When we come before the Lord, we need... To number one, be joyful. We need to be joyful before the Lord and to basically let him know, number one, who he is, what he has done, what he has done for us, and for answered prayers. Now, you may add some more to that list. So when we have something to praise Christ for, number one, who he is. Who is Christ? He is God of all creation. What has he done? Well, he has redeemed us by the blood. Okay, He has reconciled us to the Father. He has brought us into his family. He's paid for I mean, you just go down the list. And what has he done for me personally? Outside of that, outside of salvation, what has he done as far as my answered prayers in times past? You know, a lot of times I think we ask God for, for prayers. He answers them, and then we just forget about him, and we're moving on to the next crisis in our life. But you know what? God wants to be remembered. He wants us to remember what he's already done for us, and he wants us to show that back to him. You know, when if you, have, if you do something for a friend of yours or a family member or somebody, and they constantly ask you for favors, isn't it? nice to have them at least thank you once in a while so let me let me ask that question a little bit different if if you constantly are doing things for someone but they never ask you or they never tell you thank you or give you praise for helping them out in a certain circumstance are you do you think maybe two twice before you you help them with their next crisis yeah, and so I think about that with, with Christ. If I don't give him the honor and glory for the things that I've asked him for that he's done for me, that makes me feel like a pretty big heel when I come and ask for something else. Yeah, we need to show our gratitude and our appreciation. So we need to enter 
his presence with with praise and for what he's done for us and for our answered prayers. And you can probably add some more to that list. So we need to enter in through praise. We need to see, be there. Okay. So what do I mean by that? So turn over to Exodus twenty four twelve. Exodus 24:12 And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me unto the mount and what? Be there. And I will give thee tables of stone and a law and commandments which I have written that thou mayest teach them. Now how long was he on the mount? I'll just ask I asked Ron, are you paying attention back there? 40 days and 40 nights he was up there with God. He was, what did God say? Come up here and be there. Come up with me and be there. I would say, come up and hang out with me. God wants that communication. He wants that fellowship with us like he had with Moses. And yet he he talks about Moses was his friend that he could speak face to face with. That's what he desires with us, okay? He wants us to be there, okay? So uh, there's, a, there's a verse here, Psalms 46.10, and I'll sum it up like this. There are times when God's voice becomes just another voice in the multimedia presentation of life. It is those times I find I must be still and know that he is God. With all the things hitness. And bombardiness from all the different directions. Sometimes we need to just stop, read His Word, and let Him speak to us through His Holy Spirit. So, but to do that, you've got to be there and intentionally be with the Lord during your devotion time. Okay? You need to have a place and a time to worship God. Okay. So again, I'm talking about our personal devotion, our personal worship with the Lord. Hopefully that should be on a daily basis. We need to have a time and a place to worship Him. And then try your best to make it a priority. Because again, I know the whole world is tugging at us. And if you set a place and a time where you can sit down and just have some time with God, everything is going to be around you and try to pull you away from that some things are good some things are not so good but there's always something trying to pull you away from your relationship and your personal time with the lord but we need to try to make it a priority and then we need to try to keep things from interfering with that also so you you may be a type of person that can be sitting there praying reading your bible with the TV on, the kids in the background, with the radio on, and something else. I don't know. I can't be that way. I have a hard time just listening to my wife if the TV's on. There's a lot of times she's like, I think you're going deaf, Bob. You just can't hear. And I'm like, no, I can hear, but I have a hard time when two things are going on at the same time. But some people can multitask, I guess. Not me, okay? But we need to try to have a time. 
where we don't have those distractions. So we can be there with God. So number two talks about our reading. First Timothy 4.13. There is a, you have a blank in your handout. There is a difference between reading and studying. So when we're in our personal time with the Lord, our personal devotion, we need to realize that there is a difference between reading and studying. Because here's what happens in my life. I sit down and I start reading. And then before I know it, I'm in the middle of a Bible study. Because <laughs> I'm off on a rabbit trail <laughs> trying to figure out something that I just read. But you know what? We have to fight against that. I mean, that's okay to, to get off track for a little bit. But yet, we need to continually keep putting God's word in, in our mind and in our soul and in our heart. We, we've got to, you know, we can't just read four Bible verses a year. We need to be reading more. And yet, a lot of times what I'll do, I'll write down my questions and then go back to that later. But keep your Bible reading going. Okay. There is a difference. B, it says there are many reading schedules. Reading goes in your blank. All kinds of Christian uh, organizations will put out reading schedules for you to read your Bible. Um, they may, you know, anywhere from one chapter or in the Old Testament, one chapter in the New, or vice versa, all types of things. And my advice is switch them up. Do what works for you. But here's what you want to do. You want to try to keep your devotion fresh. You don't want it to be so mundane that it's just, you know, just kind of same-o, same-o. Because you're talking to the, to the God of heaven, our Lord and Savior, who's given us everything. You don't talk to your friends that way. You don't talk to your spouse that way. You You, you talk with people because you should be engaging and wanting to hear what they say and them wanting to hear what you say. So, many reading schedules. Find one that works for you. Switch them up if you need to. And then three, recording. Okay, record your findings. How many of you read a chapter, read several verses in your Bible, and and you stop and you think, what did I just read? So maybe you need to write down what the Holy Spirit is sharing with you, okay? That will help you pull yourself out of that. Uh, write down what the Holy Spirit is revealing to you. Perhaps maybe even in a journal. I know some people that in their daily Bible reading, they'll read it and they'll write down what really jumped out at them while they were reading the Bible. And if it's of a really major importance, it's something that the Holy Spirit just showed you that just really tickled your fancy when you're reading it. It just made you want to jump up and shout. Highlight that thing. Underline it. You know, I'll put a, an asterisk on the side of it and then put a note over in my wide margin Bible. Or if it's more important than that, I'll even find one of my blank pages in the Bible and I'll make a statement and write it out and put the verse on it. Because why? Because it would be there to draw from at a different time if I want to go back and find it. If you don't mark things in your Bible, if you don't mark things that God shows you in a journal, you read again the next day or the following day and whenever, and then a month down the road, you're like, do I remember anything that the Lord showed me? And what the specific things that he gave to me, I need to be able to find them so I can use them in my life when I need them. 
So these are some some uh, things that you can do to help you with your daily devotion. And so I want to spend the rest of my time basically on how to do a devotion. So a devotion can also be defined as a short Bible message. Okay? Uh, so, and even then, it is still a form of worship. It's still a form of worship. When someone asks you to do a devotion, like I said, at, at, at some event, at, at a ladies' luncheon, at a, at at uh, I'll just use the men's prayer breakfast because that's things that, that we do devotions in. Um, you know, they're just short messages that the Lord has, has given you to give out. And they are a type of worship. Okay? So I'm just going to ask you, how many of you have presented a Bible devotion in here? I'm going to see hands. Several of you. Okay. All right. Fabulous. How many of you are scared to death to stand up and give a Bible message? Okay. Me too. Okay. I'm in that group. I just don't know any better. That's why I'm up here. But yes, I remember the first time that a man. Now, you got to know my story. I grew up, I was very shy. I wouldn't talk to people. Uh, I, I worked in construction, so I didn't really have to be in front of anybody. Uh, I worked, I lived on a farm. So, I mean, I was, I did not have any intentions of being a public speaker. Not that I am today, but at least I do attempt it at times. But I had no, no want to do that at all until the Lord goes, no, you're going to do this. Uh, and I remember the very first time that a man came and asked me, we were with a group of people, and he says, Bob, can you do the devotion on Thursday morning? And this voice said, yes, I can do that. The man turned around and walked off. And I literally turned around. I'm like, who said that? Because I was scared to death. That is true story. I think it was me, but if it was somebody else, I don't know. But (laughs) maybe maybe it's one of those things where everybody took a step back when they asked for a volunteer. No, it was me. My word came out and said that. But, man, I was shocked I even said that. But... Uh, with a little practice and a little, a little uh, putting some effort out, all of us can do a devotion because Christ wants us to get the gospel out. Okay. So you might have reasons why. Well, I don't think I should do devotions because I'm not good at speaking in front of people. It doesn't work. I don't know enough Bible. No. That doesn't work either. Try telling that to Jesus, okay? I haven't been taught enough. Okay, well, you're here tonight, so now you will have no more excuses, okay? Uh, That's why you're here. That's good. So let me give you an example because I think a lot of us have an attitude like, well, I cannot do a devotion uh, with more than two people speaking to a group of people because um, basically... I'm just not good enough. You ever think that? Anybody in here think that? I've thought that. I mean, I mean, my goodness, look at the rest of these guys. I mean, they're good. I mean, I'm afraid to open up my mouth at all. Well, let me give you an illustration that I had that kind of helped me out. On October the 7th in 2004, can anybody remember where you were at that night? Okay, 
I, okay, nobody liked that here. What's that? It was, I believe it was a Tuesday night. It was rainy. That help? No, I wasn't. Not that night. Okay. <laughs> okay. You guys may have been. Yeah, you're right. Uh, my wife and I, along with another pastor and, our, and his wife at our church, we were at Arrowhead Stadium at the Billy Graham Crusade. And I remember this night, and we had been through training, and we were there as counselors, and we were down on the field for the people that came down at the invitation. So I remember that night because it was cold. Like I said, it had been just pouring. And when Billy Graham got up to speak, it just stopped, which I thought, wow, that's that's pretty cool. That's Number one, that's answered prayers. Thank you, Lord, because you know, a bunch of us are praying, stop the rain. So he did a... a a short message, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I wonder if anybody will will come down to the field, because it's a nasty night. It's been raining. It's cold. You know, it was it was just a short message. It was an okay message, and the field people just flocked down, and so uh, I don't believe I led anybody to the Lord that night. But some of the people down came down for salvation. Some of the people came down, they just wanted to talk. Some of the people came down, they just wanted to get on the field. But anyway, I mean, God still used it. But I sat there and I was uh, thinking about his message. And two nights before, I had been at the Johnson County Juvenile Detention Center in Olathe. And I had heard a man in the group do his second devotion. And I was comparing his devotion with Billy Graham's. I'd take the man's. And so I, I throw that out, not trying to say Billy Graham's message wasn't right. My point was the man that had only done one devotion before did a devotion, and I would have stacked it up right along with Billy's. So when we have this attitude, well, we're not good enough. We're not near as good as these guys that are polished and are main speakers and preachers and that can do this stuff doesn't make any difference because you know what people really want they want to hear somebody who's real give them a message and so my point was even if you're doing your first devotion you'll be as good as the best speaker in the country all you have to do is open your mouth up and even if you stick your foot in your mouth even if you do everything wrong, it'll still come out. God will still use it. Okay, so that kind of knocks all that out. Well, I'm not good enough because you are. Okay. All right. So how to do a devotion? Handout. Decide on the passage. Okay. Now uh, you may be in part of it, like a, a jail group, and I know some of you have were. You're going through a book or maybe maybe whatever group you're going to do the devotion at, that group's been going through a book. So maybe they'll say, hey, we want you to do a devotion on John chapter 1. Okay, or John chapter 1, 1 through 4. So that's one way that you might do, come up with a topic. Because some people, when you tell them to do a devotion, it's like, oh, my gosh, i got to have a topic, and I'm kind of that way. When somebody just leaves it open, oh, I'm, I, I'm a mess. I need an assignment here, okay? I need something assigned that, okay, we want you to do it on this or something. Then I have something to go by. But when I have to come up on my own, I get a little 
antsy. But anyway, so how to do a devotion publicly. You decide on the passage that you're going to preach on or teach on by assignment. B, by the story. You want to give a devotion somewhere, use a Bible story for your devotion. Especially if you're doing kids. Because they'll relate to a Bible story. And yet adults do too. I can think of all kinds of people. Lazarus and the rich man. Beautiful example that you can use for a devotion. Okay, So you can do it by assignment. You can do it by the story. You can do it by the subject. Somebody may ask you to do a devotion on prayer. Okay, now you know where you're going. Now you just got to dig in and, and come up with a devotion on prayer. And you might you might uh, decide on the passage by the paragraph markers. You go, what in the world does that mean? Well, if you're going through a book, you might divide that chapter up by the paragraph markers. Okay, Paragraph markers are natural breaks also in the book or in the chapter. E, by natural breaks in the text. Have you ever noticed you're going along reading a passage in your Bible and then all of a sudden the context just changed? Good place to divide that chapter up, okay? Or by verse. Someone may give you a verse to do a devotion on. Now, years ago, uh, a lot of the guys here at Heartland Baptist have, have you know, uh, kind of cut their teeth down to the City Union Mission. And it was kind of interesting because Brian and Randy and that group was one group. Pat Lee and I was in a different group, and we didn't really mix a lot, but we were still there doing the same things. And um, um, it would be it would go something like this: we would have a group of three or four men that would go down and do a devotion, and when it was our turn to do devotions uh, and preach at, at the mission, and they would say, "Well, Sam." Uh, for this month, I want you to teach on John 1 through 12. Okay. Fred, I need you to do verse 13 through 26. Now, Pat Lee's the one. He's in the back, so I'm telling him you, brother. And he goes, Bob, I want you to do one on verse 14. And I'm like, what? They get like several, they get the whole several verses and you just give me one? He goes, that's where." Roll, bud. I'll get you for that yet. Uh, but so you have to be prepared. Maybe it's just one verse. John 3.16 is a perfect verse to do a devotion on. And I'll give you an example of that a little bit later on uh, if we have time. So uh, maybe it's just a word in the Bible. So let's keep going. So what do you do to, to start getting, once you have the passage or the subject that you're going to start to do a devotion on, what do you start doing next? Well, you read and you read the passage that you're going to teach on. Read it every day for a week, two weeks, however long you have. Read and reread the passage. Then you meditate on the passage. Okay? Then you pray about the passage. Okay? And then you ask yourself, why did God put this in his book? And how does this passage fit with the rest of the book? And what does this passage have to do with me? 
These are just some things that you can start building your devotion on. Okay? And so you decide on the passage, number one. You start reading it, meditating, praying about it. And number two, you break the passage down. So you take whatever you're doing your devotion on and you start breaking that passage down. I liken it kind of like a, 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 a watch. Okay? I'll put my watch up here so I can see how long I'm going to go over. Uh, have you ever heard preachers? Now, there are certain preachers that preach all different styles. And in this church, there are some really good preachers that come across here. There are some preachers that will take the passage and just completely take it apart and just kind of lay it out. And then they'll put it back together. Then they'll wind it up. And you can, if you're paying attention, you'll watch them. And one of them, one of them is Greg Axe. He's the pastor at, uh, at Crest Bible Church. And I don't know if many of you have heard him, but if you get a chance to hear him, he's, he is excellent in doing that. And it's very systematic. And then he just, um, he just expounds on the passage. So when you get done here and you know what that passage was, what it meant, what it means for you and how it's applied. I mean, you just have the whole package. So, you, you start breaking the passage down, and you write out the five W's. Now, I learned this in seminary or, or Bible school. No, I didn't. I learned this in third grade, the five W's. Who, what, where, when, and why. If you're doing a story, you're doing a, a passage in the Bible, you're doing a ver- anything, start writing out who, what, where, when, and why in this, in this devotion in this Bible passage that you have, okay? You find key words and phrases in that passage. Write those out. You find the meaning of names and places. About a year ago in in, uh, the Berean class, we went through the book of Ruth. In the book of Ruth, it is crucial that you know the meaning of the names of all the characters, because they will tell you a story of what's going on, way more than what you just read on the surface. They'll just add that much to it, okay? Places, it's the same way. Find the meaning of the name of the town or the region or where they're at. It'll help you out. It'll help you understand the passage. And then you search out the historical and cultural information. Any information about that passage that you can come up with any let me let me just say it this way any source to help you to understand the passage that you're going to do your devotion on from whatever source is good as long as you run it right back through the bible so i mean there are some people who go well you can't you only can get your your truth from this, this, and this. Hey, there's a lot of truth out there. You can find different organizations. You can find all kinds of places to find truth about things as long as that truth does line up with the Word of God, okay? And so my point is, find out about this story or this uh, passage in the Bible from whatever sources you can come up with. But again, realize who, who wrote them what what they believe, what they're saying. And again, you've got to run it back through the Word of God because if you get a source or you get some information from a guy who is a Calvinist, you better pay close attention to whatever he's saying. But that doesn't mean he can't tell you some truth. You just run it all back through the Word of God. So that's probably more than you need to know. But anyway, 
uh, find out the meaning of names and places, search out the historical and cultural information, anything that would go along. And I'm just personally, uh, if you're researching a story and you go, well, the culture of that story in that New Testament at that time, these people would do this and they would do that, and and this is why they would go and, and act this way. Unless I can find that in the Bible, I'll probably just shelf that. Because I, I want to learn about what's going on here in the story, but I'm going to not bank on anything unless it's in the Word. Okay. Uh, and I'll give you an example for that. Uh, you've heard people talk about the Laodicean church and how the, the Laodicean church was in a town with warm springs and, and then had to do with warm water and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, my Bible doesn't say that. I don't know if that's 100% true. So I'm just going to kind of table that. I probably won't use that. But I'm going to stick with what the Word of God says and what I can prove with the Word of God. So I'll keep moving. Okay. Um, where did I leave off? Three. So you may want to write out the passage. So, yes, write the passage out. Organize the passage. Now you're going to start to put it back together. Okay. So your blank is put the info together. You start writing out a brief outline of the message. You use main points and subpoints, and you may put in cross references, and uh, you may put in uh, uh, let's see here uh, some truths. So basically, you uh, you might want to start your devotion like this. You have a you have a story or you have a passage. You read the, the passage, and you. And you just start off with, guys, I'm going to show you three truths that I see in this passage. I'm going to show you three things that the Lord showed me in this passage. Things maybe that I didn't know. Because I, I guarantee you, you may know the passage frontwards and backwards. You may know the story frontwards and backwards. You may have learned it as a kid. You may have taught it as an adult. You may have taught it to your grandchildren. But I guarantee you, if you're doing a devotion on that passage or that story and you read it again, God will give you something new. It's amazing. Even the things you think you know, he'll give you more. Okay? Use main points and subpoints. Put in your cross references. Um, use the three truths, two truths, or just tell your audience. Let me show you what God has shown me in this passage and why it's important for you to know this. Okay. So then you number four, which leads us right into personalize your message. Now this is very important. This is where you add illustrations and examples. Okay. You might also use current events, tragedies, things that's going on in the news, things that people are talking about, especially if you're doing evangelistic devotion and there are people that you're going to be talking to that don't know the Lord. So you're going to try to use things that they can connect with while they're thinking about those because it's it's pertinent in their life at that time. So use those things. You have something? Yes. 3A is put the info together. Okay. Write a brief outline of your message. Use main points and subpoints. Put in your cross references. And then put in things like comparisons or 
truths that God has shown you. And then you personalize your message. You add illustration and examples. Use yourself as an example. People like that. They really like examples when you mess up. I don't know why people do. I use myself as an example. And people seem to like that. I, I went, I did a devotion in front of a group one time and I used one of the men that was with us as an illustration because he was a short guy about my size. And he's a friend of mine. So I, I used him as an example. I said, now I'm, we're talking about Samson, but, and you know, what was the, what was the name to fame to Samson? He's a strong man. He's a strong man. I've said, but you know what? Everybody thinks he's six foot five. Said, nope, he's a little short guy about the size of my friend here. And a little friend, my friend came up to me and he goes, don't use me anymore for an illustration. And I'm like, okay. So another group came in. This is a Cass County jail. Same thing, same story. I got to the point. And I said, everybody thinks that that Samson was six foot, whatever. I said, he wasn't. He was a little short, sawed off guy about my size. Then it was okay. But what I've learned is use yourself for illustrations. And if you have some funny illustrations, use it because they'll get that. Okay? I once heard a story of a a big-name preacher. And he's preaching, and he has this example of a monkey in uh, in in his message. So he's preaching along, and all of a sudden, the Lord just gave him this illustration of a monkey that fit perfect with this message. So he uses this monkey illustration. Okay. So he has this, you know, high powered message that he gives out. And so about two weeks later, there, uh, this lady was at the, the tape desk in, in their lobby wanting a tape of the, of the preacher at a certain day. It wasn't online like we have it now. You know, actually, years ago, Ron, we used to put CDs out, didn't we? So if you wanted a CD of the message, you could get a CD of it. So this lady is sitting there, and she's trying to, to get the tape that she wanted or the CD that she wanted. And the lady goes, well, do you have the date? And the lady goes, well, no. And she goes, okay, there's got to be another way we can figure out which message you want. She goes, oh, 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 it's the one with the monkey illustration in it. Well... She remembered that, and the pastor happened to be walking by about that time, and he heard this, and he's thinking to himself, oh, great. I spent 30 hours on this message, and the only thing they remembered was the monkey illustration. That's kind of how it goes. But but you need to use illustrations that are real, that are personal, that people will connect with, okay? So I'm, I'm giving you some of this from... From my experience, okay? And the more you can use yourself as an illustration and even kind of make fun of yourself, the more people, the more people will just grab it and see, okay, this guy, this dude is real. You know, he puts his pants on, you know, one foot at a time, just like the rest of us. And that's really what we are striving for. And and let me give you another illustration. I've been places where two or three guys would preach. Or do a devotion. I'm sorry. It's the same thing. Preaching and doing a devotion is the same thing. A devotion is just a short preaching session, okay? A short message. And so one guy would, would get up and he would just do a really good devotion. Solid. Everybody understood it. 
uh, everything was, you know, everybody just thought it was a great message, great. Everybody grabbed it. The second guy comes up, and he's not quite as polished, you know, and, and but he's good. Okay, he got his message across. Then the third guy comes up, and he does everything completely backwards, sticks his foot in his mouth, you know, basically falls down, does everything wrong, but he got the message out. Which one was the best? You know which one usually the people respond to? The guy that's real. Because they want to see somebody that's real. They don't want to see somebody with a three-piece suit, you know, slicked back hair, tassels on their shoes, car salesman type. If you're any car salesman in here, I'm sorry. But, I mean, you just kind of put those guys to the side, right? They want to see somebody who's real. In fact, one of the places, when I first went to one of the churches I used to attend, the first guy that preached was Greg Axe, and he came out and he looked like an old sailor. Had the beard on, and I mean, I mean, he's kind of, kind of rough, gruff looking guy, and I'm like, I don't know about this, this dude. And then he just preached the cover off the Bible, and I'm like, that's the guy I want to listen to. Because he made it real. He made it personable. So we need to personalize our message. Personalize your devotion. Use you as an example if you need be. But we need to always put, and for those that are doing evangelistic devotions, make sure that you always put the gospel in that message somewhere. And let me tell you this. If it is an evangelistic devotion outwardly, Put it in the prayer, opening prayer. Put it in the message and put it in the invitation. Sneak that gospel in there every chance you can because what you're, what's the whole reason why you're there giving the devotion? To get the gospel out. Get the gospel out. Okay. So, next page. Verbalize the message. Okay. So after you've, you've went through the steps so far, now what do you do? Practice it. You know, go home, stand in front of the mirror somewhere, and practice your devotion. Or you don't have to stand in front of the mirror. Um, I'd probably scare myself if I did. Find a pod- find something. Put it. Make yourself some type of a little podium and practice it out. Okay. Practice speaking the message. Start with the introduction. Read the text. Work through your outline. Give your invitation. And so this this isn't going to come about in, in, in an hour or two. Now, I'm not like uh, Jeff Trude is back there somewhere, isn't he? Is he still back there, Ron? He, he's hiding. Jeff Trude will look at He'll come up with a Bible message in a few hours, and it just blows my mind. It takes me all week. Some people are very good at putting them together, and probably the more you do it, well, I would think so, but it still takes me a week. Um it's going to take time to put things together. Just work on it a little bit till you're ready, till it's your turn to do it, okay? Practice speaking the message. Start with the introduction, read the text, work through the outline, give your invitation, make any changes along the way. And let me let me ask you, do you know when Pastor Brian is finished making his changes on his message on a Sunday morning? Probably not until he walks up on stage. Now, I don't know that for sure. 
But I do know, and I think I think some of the other pastors are here. We're still writing on our lesson before we hop in the car to get here on Sunday morning. There's always something we're adding to it. So my point is, you won't just nail this and have it done. It'll be an ongoing thought, and you will continue to keep making it better as you go. But the thing is, practice and be be prepared to do it, because if you are, you will succeed, okay? So, make any changes to the message B, C, continue to practice the message until you're comfortable with it. Feel free to keep making adjustments and rewrite the devotion when you are satisfied with it. Because you know why? You're going to have notes all over the sucker if you're like me. And you need to kind of bring the plane back down so you'll be able to read it. Okay? So, rewrite it, get everything together. And then number six says, evaluate the the devotion after you have presented it. So if you do a devotion, it doesn't stop there. After you get home, after you have some time, think about it. How did the devotion go? You know, most of us have this type of attitude when we're done with a devotion. I am glad I am done with that. Okay? That's not the end of it. Think about what you said. Think about how the devotion went because you want to keep improving what you're doing, right? So evaluate the devotion. Number one, was the Bible passage read? Were your points clear? Were your points relevant to the hearers? Now, I have this problem when I do illustrations and examples. I'll use an example like, where's the meat? And... How many of you know what I'm talking about when I say, where's the meat? Okay. Where's the beef? I'm sorry. Don't even have it right. Where's the beef? Okay. You knew what I was thinking. Okay. I'm glad you came, Roger. Where's the beef? So can somebody else tell me what that was about? Okay. Wendy's commercial years ago. But you know what? If I'm, if this crowd's much younger, they won't know that. So you have to be somewhat careful on your illustrations. Know your audience. Know where they're at, okay? And so use things that people will understand, okay? Was the gospel taught? Was the invitation short, simple, and easy to understand? Okay? Now, again, this is kind of geared up more like if you're going into a detention center or something like that because you want your invitation to be Short, simple, and easy to understand because you want these people to grasp it. If you go in there and use your whole time up to do the devotion, but you don't have time to get the invitation out, you're kind of bombed. Okay? It's the whole point is to get the gospel out to give them an opportunity to receive the gospel. Did the hearers have ample time and opportunity to respond to the message? And again, it goes right back with what I said. I've been in the Cass County Jail, legally, and, uh, yes, I'll tell you this story. I'll tell you this story. My wife goes to a family reunion on a day that our group is going into the Cass County Jail to do devotions. So she goes to this reunion, and someone asks her, well, where's your husband? And she goes, he's in jail. And she didn't say anything else. He's in jail. And another person came up and patted her on the back. She goes, that's okay, honey. We've all been there. I'm like, okay. But anyway, (laughs) 
Did the hearers have ample time and opportunity to respond to the message? If you don't, if you do go into the jail and you have an opportunity to do a devotion, make sure you leave enough time to give an invitation and a time for them to respond. Because I have had the, I have had the, uh, uh, what's the people I want to call Paula? The, the, the guards. They're not guards. They're officers. Yeah, that's basically what they are. But the officers come in and go, okay, your time's over. Time to get out. And I'm like, I just gave the invitation. So think about your audience. Think about the time period you have. And that reminds me also, you don't want to have a short devotion for the kids and, 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 and it lasts three hours. Know your audience, okay? Cut down your devotion. You can cut your devotion down. Now, now I have some people that say, well, I won't be able to speak five minutes. And then you got other people go, well, I won't be able to speak less than 30 minutes. Yes, you can. You can cut things down. I once was uh, was uh, speaking at a funeral. And uh, at the about a day or two before the funeral, the person in charge of it gave gave me a call and they said, well, Bob, we we still want you to speak. We're not going to limit you from speaking. But we have cut your time down to three minutes. And I'm like, three minutes? And, you know, I kept whittling what I wanted to do. And I kept whittling it down, whittling it down. And I don't think I ran fast with my words, but I got done everything they wanted in that three minutes. Everything I wanted to say, I got in there. So you can limit what you have to say. Paula. So know your audience, know your time, and be able to answer questions or make sure the invitation's given, they have a response, and then any questions afterward. Okay. Okay. And so you may not always you may not do a devotion in the jail. Well, at least most of you won't. So, uh, but um, if you do, these are some points that would help you out. So give the hearers ample time and opportunity to respond to the message. Okay, 2 Timothy 4.2 says to preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Romans 10.14 says, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? Very good question. And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings, glad tidings of good things. So let, let me ask you, are your feet beautiful tonight? Okay. Isn't that amazing? So when you have this attitude in your mind, well, I cannot do a devotion, let me ask you this. With an attitude like that, are you being obedient to the Great Commission? You're not. You're not. Are you being obedient to Christ? And the answer is no. Because God has put his word in our heart and in our mouth to give out. Because he wants 
more people into his kingdom. Okay? So let me give you a couple examples of devotion. We're just about done. Turn over to John 3.16. John chapter 3.16 is probably the most famous verse in the Bible. You used to see it all over the place. You'd see it even in football games. Does anybody, do they still put that on uh, paper and put it on baseball and football games anymore? I haven't watched a baseball and football game for so long. I don't know. They don't? Okay. Well, still, a lot of people know John 3.16, right? And so doing a devotion on on this verse, let's look at it. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, if you're only going to get one verse in the Bible, that would be a good verse to get because you can use that verse. Now, if you have one that said Jesus wept, that may be kind of tough, but I'm sure we could do that too. John 3.16, I've used this little short devotion all over, okay? Because in John 3.16, I'll just give you an example of a simple little devotion. In John 3.16, you have the greatest love in the Bible. For God so loved. You have the greatest people group. The world. You have the greatest sacrifice. Christ. And you have the greatest gift. Eternal life. Did you guys catch all that? Okay, you can do a devotion. Okay. That devotion, I've used that, and I've given this devotion in in a pinch to other people in this church when we've been on mission trips. And they're like, I didn't know I was going to give a devotion this morning or, or at the group that we're going to or to the people we're talking to. I wasn't prepared for that. Well, let me let me give you a short one that you can use. And then add whatever you can with this. Put some personal illustrations in there. And then go through the steps and you've got a devotion. Okay? Uh, so that might be something that you can use or, or an example of a one-verse devotion. Or you might have a word. The word faith may be your word. So if someone was to give you a, uh, the assignment of doing a devotion and they want you to do it on faith, where would you go in the Bible to do a devotion on faith? Speak out. I can't hear everybody. Hebrews 11.1? Okay, let's go there. Hebrews. Chapter 11. Oh, that's perfect. Because that is God's hall of faith. So not only does the first uh, couple verses define what faith is, you have a whole chapter full of Bible stories all through the Old Testament that talk about people who had faith. You could pick any of those to do a devotion on. That's how it works. Okay? You could define it, and then you can go and show Bible stories talking about people and their faith, okay? And so 
if you've never done a devotion, maybe you should just practice at home on pick out a subject, pick out a passage, pick out a story, and practice doing a Bible message. Because you never know when somebody will pat you on the back and go, hey, can you do a devotion during this time? And you do not want to be the person who goes, oh, no, don't pick me because I can't. No, yes, you can do that. Okay, You can do it. And I'll put another plug in to the Cass County Jail. We're getting ready to get in there. So if you'd like to be a part of that and go in and work in that ministry, Doing devotions, short Bible messages is what you would be doing. Talk to Steve Flashman, talk to Brian, talk to talk to any of your adult leaders, and they can help you out with that. But that's a great joy to be able to give a Bible message out that people respond to and accept Christ. There is nothing else like it. And once you start doing that, you get addicted to it. It's like we are addicted to ministry. You're addicted to giving God's word out. We should be addicted to living it out, sharing it with what we what we say, and even use words if it's necessary. Okay. So let's go ahead and pray. Any questions you might have, come up and ask me afterwards, and I'll be glad to help you. Yes, definitely. Definitely, because when I went to the, the juvenile detention center in Olathe, Kansas, there was a man that I worked with uh, that goes to Midtown Baptist right now. He was excellent at devotions, but he had some he had some that the people responded better to. If you're seeing a group like in a setting like that that you don't always see a lot, pull, you know, pull that devotion back out again that maybe you did six months ago or maybe you've done in the past that that number one you, you believe is a good devotion and that you've had good success with people coming and maybe accepting the Lord in or, or at least having question about or at least had uh, interaction with people as a result. So yes, keep those. You could. Yes, and after a while, you'll kind of get a feeling of which one is working better in what circumstances. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You know, if you were going to speak, if you were going to do two devotions, say you were going to do one at a ladies' at a ladies' luncheon and do one at the, at the jail, do the same one both times. If You wouldn't have to reinvent the wheel if they would fit. You may have to tailor it a little bit differently. But yes. That's what a lot of us guys do. Maybe, you're, you know, we're teaching here or there. We may teach the same subject. So, but make sure, you know, get it out. Do your homework. And here's the number one thing. Be prepared for when you do do it. Get things written down that when you get off on a tangent or you give an illustration like I do sometimes and I just hit a fog like I, I, I don't know who I am or where I'm at, then, then I just go back to my page and take off again. So when you have things written down, that'll help you get through it. And then the ones that you have good success with, yet hold on to them, use them over and over. Okay, I've had devotions I've done with the kids before that are old, and I'll still get them out and use them because they're good. They're good devotions. Okay, so uh, yeah, any questions? Come and ask me. We can all do a Bible message. We need to be doing them to our neighbors, to our friends, in a group, uh, at church, wherever we can, because that's why God has put us here. So let's pray. Father in heaven.